Let us continue our worship in the Word of God. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to be reading from verses 3 to 9 and also 27 through 31. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All peoples are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord, our God, endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Jump to 27. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary. The young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today uh, here in this place as well as through online. Uh, we are uh, blessed to have you. And it is my prayer that we will seek the Lord our God together in His Word. Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, in this tumultuous time, as our nation is facing such crisis after crisis, still dealing with COVID-19 pandemic, facing civil unrest in major cities, being divided by polarized political ideologies, many of us, including all Christians, are confused, frustrated, and concern for our family, community, society, and country. Many questions can be raised. What do we do now? How should we live? How do we respond to all this craziness? And these questions we have dealt with together in previous sermons. By the way, you can visit our YouTube live channel and 
have access to those messages, and I encourage you to uh, check it out. But at this juncture, as believers of Jesus Christ, I would like to challenge us to take off of our eyes on ourselves and fix our eyes on what God wants us to do in such time as this. The question should be, what does God wants us to do at this time? How can we participate in what God is doing right now in this world as God's people? I think these questions are more appropriate for Christians to ask at this time than the, just the self-focused questions or self-seeking questions. What does God want Christians, God's people to do at this juncture? And as we study this passage, Isaiah chapter 40, may we learn to answer these questions in order to confirm the direction of our ministry and how we can be effective in our ministry as a church. If you look into the background of this passage, Isaiah chapter 40, you will notice that the people of Israel during the time of Isaiah were facing terrible times as they were in the Babylonian exile. If you survey the book of Isaiah entirely, you will notice that from the chapter 1 through 39, Isaiah has prophesied about this exile of the northern kingdom of Israel, that they will be conquered and its people will be in Babylonian captivity. In the end of chapter 39, they were announcing the coming of Babylonian conquest of Jerusalem and the exile of the nation of Israel. Very tough time. And from chapter 40, the focus of the book shifts to Isaiah speaking to those who were actually living in the captivity. And those who were in the captivity, God is actually promising a new time of comfort and blessing and full revelation of God's glory being with God's people introducing and explaining the detail of messianic ministry. He's saying the Messiah will come, the Savior will come and bless you and give you comfort, and the God will be your God forever. That's what is promising. But here, imagine receiving such promise during the time of exile. I mean, logically, it does not really make sense. They were in foreign land under totally different hostile environment, violent political system, idolatrous cultural system, heathenistic religious system they were living in. And in the midst of such world they were living in, the God is actually promising His very presence of glory through the Messiah. And that's what he's saying. Yes, you are in trouble. You are in terrible times. However, I'm promising you the Messiah. And I'm promising you the new era of peace and comfort. Interesting, isn't it? Now, let's come to our time right now. Let's think about right now, our time, our nation. 
I think things are changing so rapidly in our nation, in our world. And I must say that the rapid cultural social shift happening currently will not be favorable to Christian faith. As a matter of fact, you will be very hostile against Christian faith, values, and principles. This trend of cancel culture, no tolerance for other views or opinions except one's own, is very alarming and even dangerous, not just politically, not just socially, not just culturally, but also religiously. If this trend or this shift continues, it will be very difficult for Christians to hold on to the biblical principles and values, and Christian church will most likely be marginalized, even attacked by social groups or social mobs, whatever you call them. It can happen. And this will result in many Christians and many churches lowering the standard of the biblical principles as such influx of secular influence and pressure is upon them. And that's what's happening, I believe. And it is very alarming and very disturbing. Personally, I can feel that. But midst of all that, please take this to heart. We must understand this time, not according to social narratives, but biblical narratives. We have to understand through the scripture what is actually happening in our world. And we cannot prioritize the political ideologies over biblical theology. And we cannot compromise the standard of the Bible, the principles and values that we dearly hold on to. Because that's what God has given us. And no matter what, no matter what's happening now, it is my prayer that Petra, your church, and all the believers will hold tight on the Scripture, the Word of God. Because the Bible says the Word of God, only the Word of God endures forever. Now, in the midst of difficult times, now and ahead, question still remains. What does God wants us to do? And I see clearly what He wants us to do in verse 3. A voice of one calling. In the midst of wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. God wants us to be a voice of one calling, preparing the way for the Lord as people of God. And if you remember the New Testament, notice that this verse is quoted in the New Testament to describe John the Baptist, whose calling was to prepare the way for the first coming of Christ, the Messiah, in the first century. But listen carefully, my brothers and sisters. As the people of God through Christ Jesus, I believe we are called to prepare the way of Christ second coming in the 21st century. Let me say it again. As Christians, as people of God, we are called to prepare the way of Christ's second coming in the 21st century. 
All the things happened are happening and will happen is to train us to be effective kingdom workers to prepare for Christ's second coming. And that's exactly what God wants us to do in such time as this. When times are terrible, when things are going so crazy, and we see all the turmoil, God is calling us, won't you be my voice, to prepare the way for the Lord's second coming in this 21st century. Think about that. And that's the calling of the church. That's the calling of all Christians. Now you might ask, how do we prepare? How do we prepare for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? As a church, as people of God. Look at verse 6. That's exactly what Isaiah was asking. But a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry out? And verse 9, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to the Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a loud shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. How do we prepare for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as a church, as the people of God? Cry out. Cry out what? The good news. The gospel. The gospel. My brothers and sisters, that's what we are called to do in such time as this. When our society is in turmoil, when our world is flipping, when everything is going crazy, it seems. Our calling is very clear. As a church, as people of God, as Christians, as believers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to preach the gospel, bring good news to the world, bring good news to the people around you, your neighbors, your co-workers, your family members, your friends. That's what we're called to do. That is the priority of the church in today's world. And I think a lot of churches, we are confused in terms of what our role is and what we should do. And the Bible is very clear. We are to preach the gospel, the good news. We are, that's the number one priority for all of us. And I've been talking about this for many weeks because I really believe in such time as this when our society is going turmoil and, and chaotic, when things are just going crazy, we cannot be astray from our calling, our priorities. What is your priority as believers of Jesus Christ? What is a priority as a church of Jesus Christ? Some kind of social movement, the political ideologies, some kind of activism. Perhaps that's also important to some. Look at the Bible. Look at today's word. Look at Jesus, what he has done when he was in the world. He was living in a very similar world, world that is so chaotic, world that is so full of injustice 
All kind of crazy things were happening. But was Jesus protesting politically? Never in the Bible. I know there's some claiming that the Jesus was protester. He was not. Read the Bible, New Testament. Look at the Gospels. Jesus was never protesting politically. His priority was very clear. To preach the kingdom of God, preach the good news. That was his ministry, and that was his focus. As a matter of fact, two of his disciples, two of his disciples were the Jewish zealot, meaning the activist. But Jesus was continually teach, continually taught the disciples to remain in the priority of the preaching of the kingdom of God. As a church today, what is our role? What is your role? What does God wants us to do? He wants, to, wants us to be a voice of God, voice of the good news, preaching. And that's how we will prepare for the way of the Lord for the second coming. Amen. Please do not forget your priority as God's people. And let's share the gospel. This is a great opportunity. I've been encountering so many people nowadays, even in this the COVID pandemic. My neighbors just walking and taking, uh, taking, just taking a walk. And from the distance, we're just conversing. Man, I tell you, so many people are frustrated. So many people are in fear. So many people are confused. And this is a great opportunity as a Christians to share the gospel, the good news, that they can have the true life, real life, purposeful, powerful, meaningful life in such time as this in Christ Jesus through the relationship of God. And it is my prayer, my brothers and sisters, that we will not forget our priorities as our calling. The gospel ministry is the way that we can prepare the way of the Lord for a second coming. Amen. However, in the face of difficulties, often we are tempted to give up. Give up our calling, give up our priorities. In the face of inconvenience, we tend to be lazy. In the face of complacency, we tend to be forgetful. And in the middle of perplexity, often we complain. That's exactly what the people of God in verse 27 says. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. But isn't this what we always ask God, especially in our difficult times like this. Maybe you don't even bother to ask these questions. I hope you do. My way is hidden from the Lord. Where are you, God, in this time of trouble? When my job is lost, when my family members is lost, when this civil unrest is in front of our backyard, where are you? where you see all kinds of crazy things happening internationally, globally. Where are you? 
What can we do as Christians? My way, our ways are hidden from you. That's how we feel, don't we? Why do we feel that, I believe? Why do we complain? Because we have forgotten God, who He is, and what He is doing. And the, the Isaiah continues on in challenging us to remember and recall and refocus on God and His ministry. Look at verse 21. It says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has He not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? And in order for us to be faithful, fulfilling our calling, to build the church of God and, and God wants us to build and to do the ministry of the gospel, we must hope in the Lord. And the writer, the Isaiah, goes on. You complain about all kinds of things happening in your life, in your perplexity, in your difficulty, in your complacency, in your inconvenience, you complain. And he says, have you not? God says, have you not? Have you not heard? Do you not know? And the Bible says, you must hope in the Lord. Look at verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, but and young men stumble and fall. But, to though, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What a powerful words of comfort. We are to hope in the Lord instead of complaining. Times like this, stop complaining about all kinds of things around you, your situation. We need to learn to hope in the Lord. Times like this, we should prioritize our calling clearly and do the service for the kingdom of God without arguing and complaining. Times like this, we must learn to hope in the Lord. That's what the Bible says. That's what God was speaking to the people who are in exile. And now the Lord is speaking to God's people today through Isaiah chapter 40. Are you going to complain? Have you not heard? Do you not know? Hope in the Lord, then you will renew your strength. He will renew your strength. Then question is, how do we hope in the Lord? How do we put our hope in the Lord? Three things about hope, putting our hope in the Lord. First, in order for you to hope in the Lord, you must remember His personhood. Personhood. Do you not know who God is? Have you forgotten what kind of God that we are serving, my brothers and sisters? Every time we tend to complain about things happening around us, things happening in our lives, things happening in our community and in our society, 
we need to ask and we need to remember who God is. That's how we should, that's how we can actually put our hope in the Lord by remembering his personhood. That's exactly what Isaiah is doing. He's urging the people to remember who God is. Verse 22, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Verse 28, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is everlasting God, everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. What Isaiah is trying to do to the people and speaking to the people who are complaining, who are in perplexities by as they are receiving the promise of God. He's saying, do you not know? Have you not heard? Lord is everlasting God. God is the creator of the earth. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He is God. Have you forgotten? My brothers and sisters, go back to the Bible times like this, and especially when you are forgetting the personhood of God. Read through Genesis to Revelation. Read the history of Israel. Read the New Testament and see who God is. Do you know why we need to read the Bible as a Christians? So that we will remember God's personhood, who He is. Because our problem is we forget. We forget who God is. Even as Christians, so many Christians growing up in the church, hearing so many different messages and reading so many books. But I tell you, if you don't remind yourself today, you will forget who God is. That's how we are. That's who we are. We are forgetful people. So what do we do? We remind ourselves by seeking the Word of God and read the Word and see what happens from the Old Testament to the New Testament. What is the message? Remember who He is. God is great. He's our God. He saves us. He loves us. He rescues us. He is with us, guiding us and changing us. And He's writing to us and reminding us, don't forget me. That's the entire theme of the Deuteronomy. When Moses was preaching to the, to, to the, uh, the, the Israelites, don't forget God who rescued you from the Egypt, the slavery of Egypt. That's what Jesus was doing. Don't forget who he is. You will, be, you, you will never be able to put your hope in the Lord unless you remember who he is. How can you put your hope in somebody that you do not know and you forget? If you forget his personhood, you lose your identity as a people of God. Just like my children, my two daughters, forgetting who I am, they will lose their identity as my children. Very simple, but very profound and important, don't you think? Do you remember? And if you ever encounter God personally in your life, go back to those moments Remember how God rescued you. Remember how He reached out to you. Remember how He saved you. Because some Christians I know, they are struggling in today's time, right now. They are losing their faith. And if you are losing your faith, 
even though you met him, you had relationship with him. This is a time for you to wake up and remember who he is. The problem is you have forgotten how he rescued you, how he has chosen you, how he saved you. A lot of times when I struggle with my own personal life and my own personal faith, I go back to those days. I remember, I, I recall those moments that God has called me. God has given his word to me. The events that happened to me. That's why I do go back to my diaries. Diaries and I read and I think about what he has done for me. And that kind of helps me to remember who he is. And as I remember who he is and how he led me to this now, to this moment, I can trust him and put my hope in him. Are you doing that? And this God, who is the creator of the ends of the earth, he is your father, the Bible says, if you are in Christ Jesus. If you look at John chapter 1, Verse 12 clearly says, if you believe in Christ, you have the right to become the children of God that you can actually call this creator of the ends of the earth, this God, your father. As a matter of fact, the Paul writes, you can call him Abba, father, meaning daddy. You can call him daddy. You don't even call him father. Daddy, he's your daddy. You have that kind of intimate relationship. You can have that, that relationship. That God is your personal father who will help you, who will love you, who have rescued you, who will sustain you, who will guide you. Remember his personhood, my brothers and sisters. This God who created this whole world, this God who is in control of this whole world, which we're going to be talking about, in the next point, but this God remembers you. He knows you more than you know yourself. He knows you even before you were created in the mother's womb. He knows you and he knows you even the number of your hair. He knows you, your thoughts, your struggle, your problems, your fear. He knows everything about you. And He loves you more than you love yourself. More than you love yourself, He loves you. And what He wants is best for you. Not what you want, but what you need the most, which is His love in your life. His very presence in your life. And the Bible says, if you are the children of God through Jesus Christ, this creator of the ends of the earth is your personal heavenly father and who will be with you forever. He will never forsake you nor leave you. He will be always be with you. Remember his personhood and put your hope in him. Amen. Second, in order for us to put our hope in the Lord, we need to depend on His power. 
not just remember His personhood, but depend on His power. Look at verse 25. To whom will you compare me? God says. Or who is my equal? Said the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each one of them by name. Because of His great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Wow. Basically saying, everything is in my control. I know every stars in the sky by name. You know what this translating to? I know every person in this world by name. I know the number of your hair in your body. I know every cell, every DNA in your body. That's what he's saying. And that powerful God, verse 29 says, He gives strength to weary and increases the power of the weak. It's kind of paradoxical, isn't it? Look at it. The God who is almighty God, full of power, the mighty power, mighty strength, that he, everything is in, in, in His control. He is God Yet that mighty, powerful God gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. The God who is powerful, who is mighty, who knows every single stars, every single cells, every single thing in this world, that mighty power, and mighty strength that he exerts in his presence, he gives strength to a person. He gives power to a weak. Imagine that. What a comfort, isn't it? If you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, this you can experience. That you can call out to God and ask, Lord, please help me. Please teach me. Lord, please guide me. I need your wisdom. I need your power. I need your solution. I need your ways. I really want to follow you. If you call out to him, he will give you power. He will give you strength. He will give you things that you need to seek Him and His righteousness. That's the promise of God. And you might say, how does He going to give us? Well, unless you experience the personal relationship with Christ, this you will never understand. But to those who understand, you know what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. Holy Spirit that gives you the comfort. Holy Spirit gives you the healing that you can overcome the traumas and, and, and all the terrible things happened to you in the past. You can overcome all the obstacles that you are facing at the present time. You can, you can overcome all kinds of hurdles in your future. 
you know. It's beyond just physical strength. It's beyond the psychological comfort. It's beyond that. It's a spiritual power that you can receive from the Lord. The inner peace that you can never experience and you can never understand explain in, today, in, in the worldly terms. No wonder Jesus said, the peace that I give you, the world do not know. The world does not know the peace that I'm about to give you. You can experience that. And as you depend on His power, you can actually hope in the Lord. That the God is going to lead you, guide you, sustain you, and help you to overcome all the obstacles, all the problems that you might face by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, my brothers and sisters, clearly here, God does not promise the absence of problems. Just like some of the preachers in TVs today talk about, if you believe in Jesus Christ, all the problems will be gone. You'll be rich and you'll get lots of money and you will be prosperous. That's not the gospel that we are talking about here. God does not promise the absence of the problems in your life. As a matter of fact, as I said in the in, in, in introduction, as a Christians, we might face even more persecution, more marginalization, more attacks from the social media or social mob, social groups. We might because the, the trend of this culture is just so shifting to somewhere else, not favorable to the favorable to Christian faith. And he's not going to promise us the absence of problems. But you know what does he promise? He promises the very presence of God, presence of himself in us and with us. That's all we need, my brothers and sisters. Because the Bible says, if God is with you, if God is with us, then who can be against us? No matter what we are facing, if we know that God is with us, leading us and guiding us and helping us, who can be against us? The point is not the problems. point is the presence of God. Amen. We need to learn to depend on His presence. If you know that God is with you, you should not be afraid. And I even said, I warned in a way, our culture is shifting toward hostile, toward become, to, uh, shifting to become the hostile environment for Christian faith. But don't be afraid. God is with us, then who can be against us? Amen? He will, he will give us the strength to overcome all kinds of different obstacles that we might face, all kinds of persecutions that we might have to face all kinds of craziness that we might have to endure, God will give us His power. Therefore, let us put our trust and hope in the Lord. Thirdly, as we trust, I mean, as we put our hope in the Lord, we must trust in His plan. Trust in His plan. 
not just remember his personhood, not just depend on his power, but we need to trust in his plan. So three things, personhood, power, and plan. Verse 13 says, Who can fathom the Spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? No one, of course. Surely the nations are like drop in a bucket. They are regarded as a dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Look at verse 22. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. In verse 28, his understanding no one can fathom. What's the point of this passage? God is sovereign. He's in control. And everything happening in this world, even in America, even in our major cities, even in our homes, every single thing, He knows and He's in control. He's not causing all these problems, by the way. Let's make it clear. He's not the one who's causing all this. It's the people. It's the evil that is causing all this kind of havoc and problems and craziness in this world. Yet, nothing is out of his control. He has his plan, and God's plan is being fulfilled one by one. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says, especially if you read the Revelations, everything is unfolded. His plan is being unfolded one by one, step by step, in the right time, that God's plan will be fulfilled at the end, and we shall see how this fulfillment of his power, his plan, as people of God. Even, my brothers and sisters, our, our political power is not coming from just the voters in the election. In the election. It's actually, ultimately, the Bible says, the power, any civil, any power, national power in this world, is authority is given by God. Of course, we do have a responsibility as a citizens of this nation to vote. But overall, even through, our, through election, even through our voting, even all the things that we do in this world, still God is in control. And unless there is a God's anointing, unless there's a God's plan, nothing will happen. Trust that. That's what God is saying. No one can fathom what God is about to do, what God is doing. No one knows. Only God knows. And He's in control, therefore, when things are going crazy in our society, in our cities, in our communities, even in our families, take heart. The Lord is with you, and He has a plan. And at the end, we will understand what He is trying to do. And no one really knows, my brothers and sisters, even myself, I do not know. And because we don't know his plan, because of our limited wisdom, limited brain power, limited apprehension and comprehension, often we tend to complain. 
often we, we falling into these perplexities and we just continue to be confused. But the Bible says, even midst of your perplexity, learn to trust His plan. Learn to trust God. I mean, imagine when Isaiah was speaking about the exile, future exile of the, of the Israelites in Babylonia. Imagine the, how people will feel. What? You are going to let this Babylonian take over your nation? God, Israel, the God's nation? Fine, you want to judge the people of Israel for their sin, but there are still righteous people in, in, amongst bad people. But we are all suffering. And what are you doing? You're going to really send us to the exile? As a matter of fact, during the time, some of the prophets and some of the people were saying the opposite. No, 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 that's not how God works. God bless Israel. God bless God's people. God's going to take care of us and we will fight to death. And all these foreign powers by God, with God's power and help will be able to overcome this. The Bible says, no, 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 no. These Babylonians will come and conquer you. But after 70 years, you will return. And that's the plan of God. During the time, they did not understand what that means. And it is understandable. It's, as a people, how can we understand? How can we fathom God's plan? How can we try to comprehend His thought? No one can. In a certain point, my brothers and sisters, therefore we need to learn to trust His plan. And I'm engaging with so many different people in terms of talking about what's happening in, a, in, in, our, in our nation politically. Some people are really concerned. Oh, if this person become a president, if that person become a president, oh, oh what's going to happen in this election? Oh, by the way, election is very important, I really believe. And you, you have every right, if you're citizens of this, this nation, you really need to exercise um, your responsibility. And I really encourage you to vote uh, as you carefully uh, uh, examine the policies and, and the, of the candidates. But I'll tell you, my brothers and sisters, people are operating in fear. Even I'm talking about Christian people. Oh, oh we are going to be in trouble and all that. And I tell you, me, as, a, as, a, as a citizen of this nation, yes, I'm also concerned. And a lot of things, a lot of disturbing things are happening, yes. But ultimately, we need to learn to trust God. That's the difference between the people who, are, who do not know God, who do not trust God's plan, and those who trust in His plan. So we don't operate in fear. We might operate in concern, yes, but not fear. There's a difference. Think about that. So don't be afraid, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Oh man, this is the end of the world. No, it's not the end of the world. And the end is coming, yes, surely. That's what the Bible says. But in His time, things will happen exactly as God planned. And trust that. And as people of God, if you trust that, we can certainly put our hope in the Lord, don't you think? That's why whatever the outcome of this election, we can still trust God. That's why as a church, we are praying for our leaders because the Bible tells us to pray for all the leaders. And you know our church, if you are with us for many years, 
We've been praying, including current president, we've been praying for all the presidents in the previously as a church for wisdom. We've been not only for president, for his cabinet, also Congress and Senate, our leaders. Why? Because we trust in his plan. Why? Because we trust that God is ultimately the one who has the power and plan and authority. Again, that's the way that we should live and operate as a people of God who have faith in his plan. Amen. And that's how we should put our trust in the Lord. That's how we should put our hope in the Lord. And that's the difference between people who put their hope in the Lord and people who put their hope in something else. So do not fear. But out of concern, pray for this nation. Vote according to your conscience. Vote according to your belief and your, according to your wisdom. But I'll tell you, my brothers and sisters, let us never, never, ever operate in fear. Amen. That's how we should put our hope in the Lord. Remember his personhood. Depend on his power, which is available to you and me through the Holy Spirit. And trust in his plan. He's in control. Nothing is happening outside of his control. And knowing that, that he's in control, our Father is in control, we can sleep at night. No wonder Psalm 23 in the presence of my enemy, if the Lord is my shepherd, in the presence of my enemy, I can sleep. That's what the Bible says. If the Lord is my shepherd, who leads me to green pasture, who takes care of me, he even prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. He even takes care of me in the presence of my enemy. That's what psalmist is saying. So the circumstances is not something that we should live accordingly. And we should live by, I mean. We should always focus our, our hearts to who he is and what he is doing rather than our circumstances. Amen. It does not matter what is happening. The Lord is in control. He will help you to go through step by step, one by one if you trust him. My brothers and sisters, we are called to do the gospel ministry, proclaiming the good news to the poor, to the people who are poor in spirit, people who are in need. And I'm not just talking about the physical poverty here. I'm talking about spiritual poverty. I don't care which, which neighbor you're coming from and you're listening right now. Even yourself, you might be saying, oh, I'm kind of financially well-off. Well, what about your spirit? And when God is saying good news to the poor, you are talking about the poverty of the spirit. People who are in need of God. We are all poor in spirit. We are in need of God. Amen? And this is time for us to activate our faith, prioritize our calling, and participate in what God is doing and what God is calling us to do, which is the gospel ministry. And as we participate in his 
ministry, we must learn to hope in the Lord. And as you put your hope in the Lord, we can be very effective and faithful in our calling as a people of God for the gospel ministry. Amen. It is my prayer that we as a people of God will continue to serve him as we seek him and his righteousness and his kingdom. May the Lord our God bless you and continue to shine his face upon you. This time, I want you to respond to what you just heard. And please go back to Isaiah 40 today. Read through the entire chapter and meditate. And may, may the Lord speak to you directly. And I really believe this chapter is very relevant, very important to Christians today. Not just for Petra members, but I, all Christians. We need to go back to the Bible and listen to what God has to say in Isaiah chapter 40, through Isaiah chapter 40. Let's pray this time and respond to what you just heard and commit yourself once again as you pray and ask Him, Lord, touch my heart, convict my heart, change my heart, transform my heart. Help me to fix our eyes on you, not eyes on myself or eyes on the circumstances of this world. Let me turn my eyes to the cross, to Christ, and experience his very presence working in our lives, exerting in our lives, and experience his power in and through our lives, and experience fulfillment of his plan happening in and through our lives. Amen. Pray. Let's pray.